The facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that's all about the facts, the latest research and analysis in the field of talent acquisition. I'm uh, Peter Weddle, the CEO of TA Tech. And I'm Shalia Gray, the VP of Global Talent Acquisition for Quadiant. And today we're very pleased to uh, have a guest with us today, my colleague at TA Tech, Stephen O'Donnell, all the way from Scotland. Stephen, say hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, yes, I'm coming from sunny Glasgow in Scotland and uh, delighted to be here. We're delighted to have you as well. And we're going to, the three of us are going to tackle a very interesting study. Uh, it's been done by a research company called Aspect 43. And the title of the study is The Talent Acquisition Technology 2022 Market Guide. It's a very big work. Okay, so again, the report that we're taking a look at in this episode of Start Smart is the Talent Acquisition Technology 2022 Market Guide from Aspect 43. It's a little different from the research uh, reports that we typically uh, take a look at. Most of those are survey-based primary research. This one's based on secondary research. In fact, there are 59 sources cited in the footnotes dating back as far as 2001 and as recent as this year. And they come from places like Harvard Business School Publishing and Pew Research and the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, LinkedIn Research, and and of course, Aspect 43's own previous research. So as I mentioned earlier, it's a big report and uh, there's far too much stuff inside for us to cover in our brief 30-minute show. So Shalila and uh, Stephen and I are going to focus on three topics that caught our interest. Finding number one, things have got to change. Here's what the report says. Quote, currently the war for talent extends beyond competing against other employers. Companies are changing their recruiting strategies and corporate culture to address the changing expectations of candidates. A number must also fight the uphill battle to overcome a negative brand reputation they created in the past with their poor candidate and employee experiences. And here's just some of the data they cite to emphasize why employers have to change. Today, 82% of candidates consider an employer's brand and reputation before applying. More than half say they've declined an offer due to a negative candidate experience. And when that happens, it has implications on the consumer side of a company. According to the report, a poor candidate experience can cost a company $5 million a year in lost customer revenue. So Shalila, let's start with you. What what do you think? Can, can recruiting teams adapt fast enough to keep up with the pace of change in the workforce? And, and even if they can, is it enough? I mean, Aspect 43 says corporate culture has a huge impact on candidates' perception, and that's not something recruiters can change. What do you think? You know, I think we've talked about this several times in different uh, podcasts, and I, and I still stand by that a company's culture is who they really are. And um, who you really are shows up 
especially in times when there when there's difficulty. So your culture shows up when you know the market changes, financial difficulties, when you change leaders, all of that is when your when your culture has to show up and show that it lives its values. And I think people are more into the authenticness of a culture and where they work and how they're treated than ever before. And so I think what TA has the difficult decision to do is how do you sell how do you sell the product and the product is the company. How do you sell the culture of the company in a positive way, especially when you have negative feedback? I remember years ago, I interviewed for a company, a well-known company, and it was a couple of weeks before I interviewed that there had been reported two suicide deaths of employees. And I asked the recruiter about it. And I said, I said, I saw that you lost two employees, two executives had committed suicide. And I saw the CEO's response, and his response was basically, that's not my been my experience that this company has any problems with, you know, uh, work-life balance or stress or anything. And I said to him, I said, I felt really let down by that because I would have thought he would have said, you know, I, I'm so sorry that we lost two valuable members of the organization. I would hope that we would never have a culture that would lead someone to that. You know, I was, I was the empathy. He had a space for empathy, and he didn't. And I said, I said, how do you, how do you respond to that? And he said, Well, we, we really don't. Our CEO is who he is. And I was turned off. I was truly turned off. Yeah, sure you were. Truly yeah. turned off because I yeah. said, that's a reflection of your brand. If your CEO doesn't doesn't get people, and he's never got people because there have been other things. I, I saw that they had a recent unionization issue uh, as a result of COVID. But I was just taken aback that um, that, that was in the news and that there was not a positive spin on that. And T.A., we are your marketers. We're your brand ambassadors. We have to put a positive spin on anything. Because we have to read every, you know, before I interview any candidate, I'm always out there looking, did anything hit the news today that a candidate may ask me about? And I think that, you know, TA is that real estate agent who's got to take you into a piece of property and try to sell you. So we try to to try to to be authentic um, and understand the reality of what we're trying to sell. But we're not perfect when it comes to that. I think uh, we've all lived through any number of uh... Uh, uh, crises in the past 20, 30 years or more. And this, the shift from candidate to employer uh, who has the uh, the upper hand has often flipped markets, particularly when in the UK when we're looking at uh, recruitment agencies and uh, and the, the ability of candidates to assert themselves. What we've seen now, uh, in the, certainly in the past year, is a seismic shift in the nature of employment. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's a big punctuation point uh, and... Uh, the balance of power has has changed considerably. So, yes, when when Shlee was saying about uh, you know, your reputation as an, an employer is is all the more not only important but visible and uh, and, and tangible than it ever was before. Uh, before this all happened, and going back to previous crises, we didn't have TA departments in the form that we have now. We didn't have communications in the form that we have now, where your reputation, good or bad, would travel at the speed of light. Uh, we now have the ability where candidates can assert themselves uh, much more than ever before. They can push back, uh, and you won't necessarily see them pushing back. They won't let you know that they're pushing back. They just won't apply in the same numbers, or they'll they'll abandon the application process whilst going through it and doing the research on your organisation. So candidates are able to absorb 
uh, find and absorb information on your company and on people who work in your company and any of the reputation points throughout that, that, that you, your culture as a company is an aggregate of everyone who works there and everything that people can absorb and find out about uh, your organization. So more than ever, organizations are able to, uh, to, to, if they're paying attention, be aware of and measure and, uh, and, and try and steer that ship, steer the reputation in a way that they never could before. So, yeah, there's, there's been a, a huge change in that workplace. Uh, distributed workplaces, flexibility, uh, the nature of work itself has changed and the way that jobs are designed uh, not to simply be a copy of what we had three years ago in offices to just being replicated, someone working at home or working in a, a different location. Uh, they have to be designed specifically for the location that they're going to be carried out. And how employers have responded to uh, to the past two years is a big part of their current reputation. I think, you know, what, one of our speakers at uh, this year's TA Tech North America conference was a uh, partner from McKinsey. And she talked about their research on uh, or in the area of social capital. And their research indicates that as a result of the pandemic, the social capital of many organizations has been significantly frayed. And they define social capital as the relationships, the relationship peer-to-peer among workers, the relationship between uh, individual employees and their employer, the organization, the relationship, uh, as you were saying, Shalila, between an organization and its leader. All of that, uh, you know, operated in a certain way prior to the pandemic. And and now uh, a lot of people, uh, according to McKinsey, um, have let their social relationships, their networks fray. They've been working at home. Uh, they've been they've been through some traumatic events, health wise, family wise, and so forth. Um, and they would argue that one of the things that you need to do, um, in addition to uh, the other things we're going to talk about here, technology and so forth, is you really need to emphasize the care an organization is taking in uh, managing, identifying, managing, and nurturing the social capital within an organization that people. Uh, really almost don't even know they need it, but when they see it, they are desperate to have it. So something that uh, I think has to change uh, in, in our go-to-market strategy is an emphasis on not so much the culture, although this is a subset of the culture, but really on the kinds of relationships an individual can have inside the organization. Okay, finding number two. Recruiters see technology as the only way to keep up with workforce change. Here's what the report says. Nearly every organization surveyed in our 2022's Insights at Work study planned to buy at least one talent acquisition technology this year. More than a quarter, however, were still confused by the available options and about how best to build out their tech stack. Finding the right combination of solutions is all about finding technology that solves your specific challenges is also easy to use and equally as important will be adopted by your team. So what they cited in terms of data, 30% of companies in the survey plan to replace their ATS in the next 12 months. 40% of companies in the survey plan on buying an outbound recruiting, outbound recruiting solution this year. Uh, and even SMBs are getting in on the uh, on the funding game. Forty percent of the SMBs in the survey 
said that they plan to buy or replace their assessment solutions before the end of this year. So, Stephen, what do you think? What what technologies do you think will have the biggest impact on the recruiting team's performance over the next twelve to twenty four months? Well, first of all, the uh, the, the the figure of thirty percent on planning to change their ATS. Uh, in the next 12 months, that will really excite the ATS organizations. Uh, they'll see that as a, as, a, as a big thing to go for. In the past, uh, well, in the past two years, ATS companies have, in large part, not so much retooled, but uh, they've, they've changed the nature of what they do uh, to, uh, to, to, to try and be those uh, all-in-one platforms, uh, recruiting platforms, hiring platforms, where uh, they'll have Many of the the tools that you might have bought individually, uh, uh, best of breed, if you like, have them incorporated into their platform. And uh, there's been quite a bit of acquisition uh, on that basis where organizations like iSIMS, for example, would be snapping up uh, uh, individual tech products, not just to have them within their own walled garden, but to uh, to, to, to keep them away from, from their competition. So in, in terms of looking at new technologies, uh, the thing that I think that's the accelerant in this is the the movement of people in TA. When TA leaders move from one organization to another, not only do they bring with them the experience that they've had of technology that they used before and used successfully before, uh, but uh, they find that whatever technology is in the new place, they don't they don't vibe with it. They didn't order it. They didn't book it, and it's not been adopted as well as it could have been. Uh, it's often the case that when people are moving in, then the person who has moved out has moved out partly because adoption of the technology wasn't uh, wasn't as, success- as successful as, as it could have been. So integrating, knitting these things together is really important. I, I conducted a bit of a, a, an individual survey for a, an organization last year, and uh, and what they were looking to do was to, to find ways in which they could they could compete in this this marketplace, and it turns out that the best way for any organisation to, uh, to 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 figure out what tools they need is to reassess completely how they've uh, rolled out and implemented and uh, utilised the tools that they already have. Uh, there's always a danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, uh, and when having a full review. It's often the case they realise that they should use the same tech they have they've already paid for but go back to starting from scratch and, and have it implemented over again. Well, Shalila, I know you've you've implemented a whole bunch of technologies during your career. So what do you think? I think, you know, where I see people needing the most the most interest, and I'll say that based upon the conversations I've had, and I did do um, uh, Unleash uh, back in the spring of this year, and I saw the vendors that seemed to have the most buzz around them. Uh, one is, I think, um, the AI technology is still uh, it's still popular. People are looking at for AI solutions uh, to automate things, uh, to look for a uh, consistent experience for candidates. So I see AI as being one of the one of the ones that's still going to stay around for a while because we still don't know how to use it correctly, and it hasn't caught on in a way we know we want something we just don't we'll know it when we see it i think recruiters are looking at um the other one i see that uh, people are, are is are software around debiasing candidates that's been a boom for the last several years i remember there's a product a couple years ago that would take a linkedin profile take off all of the gender ethnicity things to neutralize a resume so before you send it over those type of software 
uh, packages or things that can take bias out, either that one or um, uh, technology around writing job descriptions to be uh, gender neutral and all of those. The debiasing software has taken hold. More people are, are looking into using that in some way. So I think that's a that's another one. Um, and then I think the other two I think that are big right now is video interviewing. So many of us were looking at our own video platforms anyway. Then when COVID happened, everyone by default said, we'll just use Teams, we'll use Zoom, we'll use, you know, whatever we have. Um, but it's not really set up for interviewing. It doesn't, it doesn't set it up for the experience. You can't do simulations, all of that. So I think many of us have now been on the tools long enough to say we want a better experience. And let's now invest in that. And I think enough managers have now been doing video interviews for the last two years that they now uh, are willing to commit, the IT group. And then the last one is uh, we talk about uh, turnover, quiet quitting, all of those. We're all trying to ask the question because we still get the same answer. Why are you leaving? And the answer is better money, career development. Um, those two things seem to be the top of everybody's mind, but that's not why people are leaving. That's a symptom of a bigger problem. Um, so I think now we're trying to get to the root cause by asking the question, how can we hire better? How can we, how can we uncover what we're missing um, around employee satisfaction, engagement, productivity, whatever? So I think the assessment tools are another one. And I've never been, I've never been a, an assessment tool as a knockout. But I think um, assessment tools for potential, for profiling, all of those things um, are, are coming back into vogue again. What I see actually is uh, on top of what you've mentioned there uh, is that uh, that retention side of things, using tools for internal internal mobility, uh, using tools to build the, the weakened bonds between uh, team members and their team and their organization so they feel like they belong more. Uh, anything that slows down the attrition rate uh, of people moving on because replacing staff is the most expensive thing that you'll do. The other thing I will say that I, I'm intrigued by and I see people investing more is we now have many more data points than we've ever had. Many more data points from our HRS system, from our financial system. We have all these data points and how to take that and aggregate that into a story or a trend or an issue or something. I saw um, at HR uh, Unleashed. There were a couple of platforms that I was very interested in that found a way to sit on top of all of our systems to be able to pull those data points in and to show trend analysis, age, gender, tenure, job group, job location, be able to take those pieces of data and build a story out of it. Because we, we're collecting more than we've ever collected before. We just don't know what to do with all that data. So I'm seeing that people are moving from just the dashboard of a, of a tableau um, to actually taking that and making that into a, a story. I'm so glad you mentioned uh, AI and, and the fact that we are only just scratching the surface with regard to its application in talent acquisition. Uh, TA Tech is going to be doing a leadership summit on that very topic coming up at the University of Chicago in Chicago on October 25th. So anybody out there who's listening to the show, uh, if that's an area of interest to you, join us. It's going to be a great event, uh, just a single day long. So you're not going to be away from your desk uh, very long. Uh, but a deep dive into how best to leverage that technology. I'd also like to piggyback on the comment you just made, 
Shalia, about trying to rationalize all this incoming data. I mean, if you've got, uh, according to Aspect 43, you've got somewhere between eight and 20 individual products in your tech stack. Hopefully, they're all interoperating in a way that's effective, but each one of them has been designed to provide an output of data designed to be helpful, but still different data feeds. Uh, and on top of that, you've got the overarching metadata about how the overall tech stack itself is working. And my fear is that without that kind of rationalization that you were talking about, the talent acquisition team, at least until they get data scientists on staff, are going to be overwhelmed by all of those, all of that uh, incoming data. In fact, uh, you know, I write a weekly column, What Caught My Eye, um, and this week's particular column is about a research uh, study I saw a bunch of researchers who decided to count how many ants there were on Earth. Um, and 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 to me, uh, that's a good uh, metaphor for the fact that, you know, sometimes you're counting stuff that's really, uh, it's interesting, but it's not all, all that helpful to getting the job done. So we want to make sure that we rationalize uh, the counting that there's no doing. shortage of, of ants. So I don't think I need to understand if they're endangered or not. <laughs> That's right. 20 quadrillion is the number they came up with. All right. So finding number three and, and talking about tech stacks, the goal of building a TA tech stack is to create a whole that's greater than the sum of the parts. And I'm not going to uh, go through and, and, and read, uh, you know, all of that, uh, aspect is talked about, but they did come up with, I thought, a couple of very important suggestions. First of all, uh, you know, understand what you're trying to solve. I, I think we're all guilty from time to time of chasing that shiny new object, but the best technology is the technology that's acquired to accomplish a specific task that leads to an improvement in specific KPIs. Second, do multiple demos, not an RFP. I thought that was an interesting suggestion. Learn from the product sales team. And then finally, as we have been discussing, implementation and rollout should be a part of early conversations. So what do you think, Shalia? Is, is, uh, first, what do you think of those suggestions? And is there anything missing there? Well, you know, I always start off with that. You know, I, I say that technology in the recruiting space is, is booming. Right. There's never a shortage of it. There's never someone who's got something to sell you. But to me, they're shiny objects unless you know what you're solving for. So I always say that you figure out your recruiting process. You don't use a tool to create a process for you. You figure out your recruiting process. You feel, figure out what needs to be leveraged by technology. And then you go look in the space. Because, you know, sometimes people buy cars that they can't you can't afford to gas up once they get it. You know, I remember uh, back in the day when uh, software service and the applicant tracking system took off and many of us were on those old ERP systems. We were sitting on, main, you know, whatever. And people did this new thing and they got great new technologies, but then they couldn't understand and get the metrics out of it to show what it meant. Right. They couldn't get it. You know, they couldn't. So then they had to pay a third party vendor to actually help them get the reports out of the applicant tracking system. So, I, you know, I always say that, you know, figure out what you're trying to solve for, because and I get inquiries all day long. You know, people sending me unsolicited stuff. I've got this greatest tool. I got this whatever. I create a shiny objects team because I feel like my recruiters are close to problems if they're if, and I want them to grow and learn. So with my shiny objects team, um, I've set them up 
whenever I get these inquiries, I send it to their folder and I say, you know, you guys set, set up a time if you want to look at it. And then you come back and tell me what problem does it solve, how, you know, how it gets funded, how you measure a return on investment and what it takes for implementation to get it done. And then I'll, and maybe we'll consider it when we talk about budget times. But I just think that that's the first thing. The second thing is RFPs. I look at product demos. I had a peer when I was at a conference a couple of years ago and told me how she handles shiny objects. Then anytime someone shows has a shiny object, she asked them to send her no more than a minute video that is a um, that is an elevator speech. And then if they really want her to see it, give her a limited time to go into the tool and try it out. Uh, is if she was a you know a, a, a user, and then she would set up some time to talk to them. Before then, it's all sell, sell, sell. Um, but I will say that most companies, uh, product demo would be wonderful. But guess what? We have procurement, and our procurement departments are used to ordering chairs and tables and things that are fixed price. And so they believe that there's competitive pricing, and there is some in all in all spend. And so they are the ones who take us, make us go through our RFPs because I would just do an RFI. I know what I want. I know what my budget is, do a request for information and see whatever. But most of our procurement departments, you know, prevent us from doing that. And the last piece is most people, I think, when they go through the tech stack, they don't spend enough time thinking about implementation, aftermarket, aftercare. My one rule is this. Year one. I will not have a ticketing system. I do not want to put a ticket in for something needs fixed. I want white glove the first year because that's when everything falls apart, right? The first year is the true test. After that, I'll put a ticket in it, you know, because those tickets, and we know about that internally inside of our organizations. We put a ticket into IT and either they move us very quickly <laughs> to close the ticket and it's not really resolved or the ticket stays open too long. If I have Bob to call, and Bob is the person when I have a problem, if Bob doesn't service me well, I can go to Bob's manager. So I think people don't think about the aftercare and the after maintenance of technology when they put it in. And then I also think that they don't also don't think about the integrations. Um, we have so many tools now and they all seem to be able to integrate with one another. But when you start that chain of integration, if one thing breaks or if you decide to change your particular vendor, how you will make the integrations happen. So that's what I feel like about the tech stack. There's a term that's not, in my view, not repeated often enough, and that's tech fatigue. Companies, uh, leaders uh, in TA departments are uh, are actively pursued and are, are often, they have a, a low sales threshold uh, and they'll see a shiny new toy and they'll bring it in and they might have it on trial and they'll, they'll ask their team to try out this new product. And after a while, the team get fatigued, they get tired of trying a new thing because they think this is going to be the thing they'll have permanently and then it's taken away or it doesn't work and each new thing that comes in, they're less enthusiastic about and uh, it's 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 difficult to bring in the one that you say, oh no, this, this one will solve all our problems and by that point, their heads are down and they're just not they're not going to adopt in the way that, that, that they should and, and also it's often the case that uh, the people, the people are getting to choose the technology uh, it, it's it's a bit like asking the kids in the back what car daddy should get uh, when they're not filling the tank. Uh, they're not uh, they're not the, the people who are choosing how this is going to work in the daily commute and doing the things that you need this this technology to do. So uh, yeah, looking at the motivations and the the the, the things that 
that power recruiters. In my experience, working with recruiters on implementing uh, 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 new tech products, sitting with them uh, and and getting the, getting them to quick wins that delight them, where they they go, oh oh, I've just I've just made a you know a, a short list in a fraction of the time, or I've I've made a placement, or this has revolutionized what I'm doing. That then brings them back the next day, day to do it again and do it more. They need quick wins, and uh, and that usually can only be done by really clever adoption uh, and, uh, and, and and winning the hearts and minds when you bring in new technology. I would add just two other quick points. Uh, the first is that I think it's human nature to really focus your implementation efforts uh, on the team that you have now. But in point of fact, there's a huge churn among recruiters these days. Um, and you have to be thinking about how do I get the follow-on team trained, committed to using the organization, a part of the culture, and so forth. So it's it's not enough to just do that one snapshot of preparation for the team you have now. You need to be thinking about the team you're going to have down the road because that down the road is going to happen sooner than you might think. Uh, the other thing that I think really and deserves uh, to be mentioned is that uh, a lot of organizations don't think about compliance until after the the product has been purchased and we're we're working on implementation. Um, and and I think you need to be thinking about compliance from day one. Uh, if you are going to do an RFP, it ought to be a part of the RFP. Your compliance director ought to be sitting on the acquisition team so that he or she can ask the right questions. And then they ought to be certainly one of the stakeholders on the implementation teams uh, to, to get the, the new product integrated into the organization in a way that uh, helps to achieve the, the organization's uh, goals with compliance. And I agree. And I would say global compliance, because a lot of times we only think about U.S. with GDPR and the transmission of data and the ability to give candidates back their data. Um, GDPR needs to be on the front end because I found that's been a stumbling block. I, I find when uh, when speaking with a lot of uh, uh, large employers, uh, TA departments and large employers, uh, in, in, in order of priority, the top considerations by TA leaders when looking at technology were, uh, first of all, DE&I. Second of all, outages and downtime history, really unsexy, but really important. Uh, internal candidate portals, uh, ideally coupled with referral functionalities. Uh, external candidate portals, social connectivity, recruitment marketing functionality, and then integrated candidate, candidate communications. So those are key aspects that uh, I've had in feedback. Well, we've come to the end of our uh, time for today's show. As always, we could go on. It's a, it was a great report, again, by uh, Aspect 43. You can visit their website at aspect43.com. Uh, the name of the study was the Talent Acquisition Technology 2022 Market Guide. Uh, in our next show, we're going to be taking a look at a new study from McKinsey called Americans Are Embracing Flexible Work and they want more of it. Now, that'll be an interesting uh, topic to kick around. But for now, thanks very much for joining us. We've uh, certainly enjoyed having you here to listen to our discussion. We hope you'll come back. And of course, you can always listen directly at tatech.org forward slash start dash smart or download the show from Spotify or Apple and Google Podcasts. Thanks very much. I hope we'll see you next time. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us. 
and come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.